0: That was perfect. That was just perfect. I found in Pastor J.D. someone who really knows what's going on, and, and he responds very well and understands, and that was just perfect, what he said about the head. Jesus is an active head, right? He's not just a figure head. He's an active head, and I just love the thought. I do, guys. I just love the thought that Jesus wants to pour his life into our lives as individuals, but he also wants to pour his life into the corporate body of Christ like harvest is right here. Really. I mean, that's what's really real about a real church. I love the local church. Teresa hears me say this all the time. I love uh, the local church. I believe it's a miraculous organism I didn't say organization. I said organism because the life of an organism is on the inside of it. And the life of this church is Jesus through the Holy Spirit. And I, I love to say that on the day of Pentecost, Jesus supernaturalized the local church. This is a supernatural gathering right here. And so thank you, Pastor. I just so appreciate your understanding. I do. I want to talk to you just a minute to say kind of some fun things, okay? Okay. Uh, I I think all of this is fun. I mean, really, when we're going to talk about the filling of the Spirit, I I love to talk about it because it's so real to me, and uh, I just want to talk about how it's such a daily walk, you know, our retreat. I'm just glad to see who these 27 guys belong to, you know, here, because you go into the woods with these 27 savages, and you just have, have no idea how you're going to come out. But I see that there is some civilization from which they came right here, and so that's good. (laughs) And um, so, but we had a lot of fun And like I echo what Josh said And how Ben and Matt and uh, John Gave their testimonies and were very vulnerable It was very, very real It's kind of interesting how it all started You know, here I am sitting at my book table And this young man bounces in And he calls himself Jeff And uh, he says, I'm pastor's bodyguard And I said, oh boy, what am I getting into here? But nevertheless... (laughs) But, you know, we had, okay, what we had, seriously, we had joy at the camp. We had laughter. Uh, we had love. We had truth. And I just saw interaction. And I will tell you guys, those of you who went, I just was amazed, seriously, at the attention and the, um, yeah, the attention, undivided attention you sem- seemed to give to everybody who talked and to every moment and so I sensed that there was a real intentionality about your lives. And and I want to say to all of you that, you know, couch potato, <laughs> surge, those are good things to capture attentions. And uh, I felt like the retreat was well-planned. It was well-packed. It was well-ordered. We had different things that happened. You know, we'd have some teaching. We'd have some discussion. And even though I joke about Jeff, you know, he had some uh, icebreakers and some mixers and so forth that were really creative. And I learned from those. I did. So I'm just here on cloud nine really to be with you today and finish up the, the theme that we had for our retreat. Our retreat theme was follow me, you know, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. I That's Mark 117. And I love that one because it says, I will make you to become. It's Jesus said, if you will just follow me, I will make you to become fishers of men. And I found that to be true in my own life. I like to do what I do. And um, I'm always looking for whether it's a neighbor or a guy at the gro- grocery store or wherever it is, uh, someone I can reach for Jesus. And it, just c- it comes natural because the Holy Spirit is naturally living in that way. And so it was follow me. And then we talked about three things at the retreat. Embrace my life. This is what Jesus would say. Embrace my life. Embrace my cross. We talked about the crucified life. And then we talked about steward my word. That was yesterday afternoon. And this morning we're going to finish up that theme in talking to all of us about uh, why... I should be filled with the Holy Spirit, and that would be filled with my spirit. So we're following Jesus, we're embracing his life by faith, like Josh said, we're embracing his cross, we're stewarding his word, and we're filled with his spirit. You know what, guys, And pastor has already referred to this in his prayer. Um, All of us are going to be filled by choice with something, aren't we? Like this morning, you say, "What were your What was your first emotion this morning when you woke up?" I'm talking about me now. This is personal. My first emotion was fear, and that often is what happens to me, especially at my age. Fear, the fear, and, and it's just a, a stupid satanic attack to fill me with fear. And so I quoted the, the text of our passage. Be not drunk with wine, where is dissipation, but be filled with spirit. So I can be either filled with fear and just pull the covers back up over my head, or I can be enabled by the Holy Spirit and get up and become a fisher of men. And so, you know, it's just with us all the time. So I come down the stairs. Teresa always gets up before me, and I come down the stairs. And uh, so then I, I have a choice right there. I can be filled with the spirit, or I can be filled with grumpiness. And then we read the Bible together. And at that moment, I could be filled with the Spirit and enjoy the Bible or, or be filled with duty. And then, um, you, you know, you drive over. Nothing was particularly irritating. as We drove I had a delightful drive, 54 miles from my house to your house. And so on the way over. But, you know, during driving time, you can choose to be filled with disgust because of the guy that's riding your bumper. Or you can, yeah, and, and so you just come into a place like this and you can then either be filled with an idea that I just want to isolate myself or I can be friendly and open. So we can all be filled with something. And today we want to talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. I chose that word right from the text. We're going to give you another word that might help you think about how it works in your life a little bit more. Pastor has already prayed. And I am so grateful that he has printed these notes in your bulletin. And so we're going to follow them. They're pretty complete. And so I'll just pick and choose some things as we move through this. But let's talk just a minute about the Holy Spirit. And before I say anything like that, I just want to say this said it yesterday to the guys. You ready? And I'm looking at young people. What a delightful thing to see all you young people. But I just want you to know from personal experience, that the Christian life is not hard. The way of a sinner is hard. The Christian life is impossible. (laughs) Just say to yourself right now, the Christian life is impossible. Only Jesus can live the Christian life. So therefore, I want Jesus to be alive in me and released through me so that just in the normal, everyday uh, living life, that the reality of doing it right comes from him and that I enjoy it. And I will tell you, at my age, I just love the Christian life. I love living the Christian life, even through the challenges and difficulties, because he is alive and well in me, and that, and, and he's alive and well in all of you who have believed in Jesus as your Savior. So you can't put that down. Christian life's not hard. If you're trying to live the Christian life, yesterday we said we need to quit trying and start dying and let the Holy Spirit live through us because he's the one who can live it. I love the Holy Spirit. I will tell you, in a lot of places it's not emphasized at all. And in some places it's overemphasized, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit becomes the center of everything. And that's not right either, because the Holy Spirit is to point up Jesus as the center. And in some places it's wrongly represented, you know, it's just kind of some weird things that's supposed to go with the Holy Spirit. It's just not true, it's not biblical. And then sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's just a vague, it's like vague, okay, come come on, put feet on this for me. And so I understand that can happen. Here's a here's a cool thing. I actually heard Warren Wearsby say this years ago, and I just want to tell you the Holy Spirit's a person. Yay! The Holy Spirit is God. Bigger, yay! You know what, guys, seriously, and I, I have to be careful. I don't know what the time is here, no clocks or anything, but it's okay. Uh, because pastor said, you guys are an event-oriented church, not a time-oriented church. And Okay, somebody just nudged their wife and said, I hope it ain't too long. But uh, I love, Guys, seriously, I love to talk about the Father and the Son. And the Holy Spirit. And I know I can't, we can't get our minds wrapped around that, but it's real. Three in one. We call it the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. I love the discussions between them that's written for us in the Bible. And I love to think about that dynamic because it's really the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that gives us the security of our salvation because all three of them worked in our salvation. And here we are. Love the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I have found that the Holy Spirit is the, the, the one of the Trinity, the person of the Trinity that has gone through all my junk down through the years. I've done some stupid things, I've said some stupid things, I've been some stupid places as a Christian, and the Holy Spirit's been with me through all of that. What a friend. And then Warren Wearsby said, He's a person, he's God, and then here, this is so cool. He's a gift. What can I do to earn the Holy Spirit? Nothing. When you accepted Jesus as your Savior, you got the Holy Spirit. He indwells you right now. And that's a wonderful truth throughout the Bible. And um, he is our helper that Jesus said was going to be with us and in us. And he travels with us all the time. And I really mean that through thick and thin. I, I don't know if you know this or not, but both my Wife and I lost our partners, Uh, her John died suddenly in the garage uh, in the home where we live, and my my Diane died of cancer uh, 20 years ago, but she was 21 years ago when John died and 20 years ago for me, and so you go through that stuff, you go through the death of a mate, you go through the funeral, you go through the treatments and, and all those kinds of things, and guess who's with us, that sweet paraclete, the Holy Spirit that can turn those tragedies into treasures and give us life messages. I think there's some aspects about the Holy Spirit. I just want to name these terms because they can get confusing. So don't let them be confused. And if you need, Pastor, I'm sure can uh, help you with all of these things. But I think we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, you know. So those nine wonderful fruit of the Spirit and then we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. So Joe you're saying we talk about the fruit of the Spirit here. we talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And then there's some terms here that we can talk about. The baptism of the Spirit. That's in the Bible. The indwelling of the Spirit. That's in the Bible. Baptism in the Spirit happens at the time of salvation. The indwelling happens at the time of salvation. This morning we're going to, we're going to talk about the filling of the Spirit. Okay. Filling of the Spirit. Say filling. Ready? Say it together. Filling. We're talking about the filling of the Spirit. So what is that, really? What is the filling of the Spirit? And I think one of the best illustrations is is like when you get the tires changed on your car. You say, what? Okay, so I'll explain. Uh, You get the tire, you get the new set of tires and you put them on and the tech fills them up. Okay, that could be filling. But actually what that is, is that him filling up that tire to the proper pressure, PSI, is... Listen to this now. It is the enabling of that tire to do what it was manufactured for. I love that illustration. I actually got it from a senior pastor in Canada one day. I was speaking up there. And he gave that illustration. I've never forgotten it, and I've repeated it lots of times. Because I want you to know that when you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Father chose you, the Savior bought you, and the Holy Spirit is in you, seals you. And listen, he enables you to do what you were meant to do. That's awesome. It's just awesome. So where do we need to be enabled? What are the things in practical, everyday life where we need enabling? Well, I found this delightful scripture that's your text today in Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 17. And I found in there, guys, I found in there eight relationships. I need to be enabled for relationships. And so that's why. And so let's go through them. What do you say? And so... Uh, this is funny, Keith is going to keep up with the PowerPoint. And I want to call him Steve all the time. But I have a buddy that played basketball with me named Tom. And so if I I call him Tom or Keith or Steve, it's all the same person. (laughs) He's going to keep up with us, okay? So why should I be filled with the Holy Spirit? Let's just read verses 17 and 18. You know what? I won't read every verse because this is a long, long passage, but we're going to read the verses and then we'll show the point and talk about it just a little bit. Verses 17 and 18 of chapter 5. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now remember, when you see that word filled, Joe's talking about a little bit. You know, I used to just talk about it being the word control. But that's not the best because you have the idea sometimes if you just use the word control that the Holy Spirit is going to grab you and jerk you around. and So you don't have to think and all that. He's just going to grab you and move you. That's not true. Because the spirit of the prophets is subject to the prophets. You have a will. You have a choice. But I can tell you the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, is right there in you and with you to enable you to do whatever the next best thing is. The next right thing. He's right there. And so number one reason why I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit is because it's a command. And it affects my relationship with God. Guys, listen. Holy Spirit filling is not an option for the victorious, fruitful, healthy, growing Christian. It's not an option. You shouldn't say something like this. Don't, don't say what I'm about to say. I've been saved, and that's good enough. No, it ain't. Because every day... God commands us to walk in the enabling, the filling, and the Christ-like way. And we can't do that. Salvation is not just some kind of one-time decision we made back 40 years ago, and that's good enough. No. These guys, I I was listening to Matt and John and Ben, and they were talking about what God was doing in their life now. And I don't like it when they have a testimony meeting and somebody always talks about what happened 40 years ago. I want to know what happened yesterday. And so, the, because the Holy Spirit needs to be active in us. And so I also want to say that the Holy Spirit filling is not for some elite leadership group. It's for the whole body of Christ. That is so cool to me. Because we are a body, and we are different, and we have our strengths and weaknesses, and we have our personalities and giftedness. And we have our experiences and backgrounds and all of us different. And the Holy Spirit wants to enable each one. So the first reason I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit is because it's a command and affects my relationship with God. Number two, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because it affects my personal walk and inner joy. Look at... uh, Verse 19 and 20, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, being filled with the Holy Spirit affects my joy. I said to the guys, joy is the serious business of heaven. And Jesus was the most joyful person that ever walked on the face of the earth. Along with being a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, he also was a joyful person. And it's important. You know what I've found out about Harvest so far? You guys are a happy church. <laughs> I walked in here and it was it's a, it's a it's a joyful place to be. People come up and talk to you. They smile. They take an interest in you. And uh, it's just like we're laid back enough to be enjoyable, but we're uh, directed enough to be focused on Christ. And that's a wonderful combination. It's not just us being silly and cracking jokes, it's about us being free in Jesus, like Mike led us about, you know, death has been defeated. And we live in the free spirit of Jesus. And there should be a melody in our heart, a song. And I will tell you, the older I get, the more I grieve over things. And so sometimes we have to listen to this statement. I heard it from Mark Vrogoff. He said, Sometimes we have to worship in a minor key, and that's called lament. It's okay to lament. But you know, God, through the Holy Spirit, can enable us to have love and joy. And I will tell you one thing I'm really worried about my life at times. In fact, Um, There came a time right after I had COVID and I said, whoa, my, listen, song was gone too long. I get worried about myself and my song is not there. And I love to say this, and I think you know it's true. Singing is not for those who have a voice. It's for those that have a song. Don't you love that? You know, we had two people in our church that couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, you know? And uh, so I wrote a song. Their names are Randy and Alice. So I wrote a song about how singing is not for those that have a voice, but for those that have a song. And we had a lot of fun with that at First Baptist. So a second reason why it's important for us to be enabled by the Holy Spirit i know that it's real is because of our personal walk and in inner joy. How many know that a, a joyful dad is better than a grouchy dad? <laughs> how many know that a joyful mom is better than a grouchy man? How many, how many know that a that a joyful boss is easier to live with than a grouchy boss? It's huge. It's just absolutely huge. And so even when we have to speak the truth. In a a culture that doesn't like the truth of God's Word, if we can speak it with love and joy, enabled by the Holy Spirit, I'm just amazed at how people can receive our truth better when it comes across with joy. I love to tell, there's a picture of Teresa Teresa and I's family back there, and uh, I love to be able to tell the grandkids, I'm happy in the Lord. (laughs) I used to have a pastor, his name was Wes, Wes Potter. Every time he came, how you doing, pastor? I'm happy in the Lord. When all's coming down and the health is not good and the money is short, it's really good when that song is there. It's good to have a song. You can have it by the filling of the Spirit. Number three. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because it affects my relationship with the body of Christ. Verse 21, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Throughout the Bible, throughout the Bible and different places, we are called upon as Christians to submit ourselves one to another and to consider the other person better than us. And so if I'm your pastor, pastor is your pastor, but if I were your pastor, I would want to be a servant pastor on duty for the king. I'm serving you, man. I'm serving you with this message. I'm serving you by teaching you the word of God. And so you come across as a servant. And I, I'm, we're going to a church next week. Teresa and I are going to be in Pekin, Illinois, at a church that has dwindled down to almost nothing because they just can't quit fighting. And the last pastor, he did it this way, and this pastor, he's doing it this way. And one of the leftover um, 81-year-old deacons called me and said, can you come and help us? And so we're going to be there next week. They have about 40 people. If you think of us, we're going to be in Pekin at uh, a church and uh, see where we can start over. We, Teresa and I, have started over with two churches. And in teaching these kinds of things, we've watched them, guys, lay down the weapons of a Rebel and be able to live together, and submit to one another, and get along. It doesn't mean we have to live in compromise, but we do have to understand that we're all servants of each other, and submitting. The younger submitting to the older, the older submitting to the younger, the married submitting to the singles, the singles to the married, and really, the ground is all level at the foot of the cross, and we need to understand that when we're filled with the Spirit, we are submitting to one another, and that's not just like boss and employer, and it's not just husband and wife. This is us And so when we come in here and we see each one of you, you know, the attitude that Teresa and I want to bring to you is that we're here to submit to you, serve you, and so forth. So the third reason we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit is because it affects my relationship with the body of Christ. I was preaching in Sarnia, Canada. And uh, there needed to be a change. There was a gentleman from uh, South Africa that was there, and he's delightful, Gerhard uh, Dutoy. He's a delightful man, a wonderful, brilliant preacher, but he had a tough accent. It was hard to understand. It was a new building. The acoustics were not good. And so when he would preach in thunder, it was almost like the, the bigger audience. You couldn't hear him because he echoed. And so the leaders of that conference removed him from a keynote speaker on Sunday morning and put me there. And he was a giant of a man with a big voice. I never will forget one day when he said, In the place of prayer, you would be transformed in the place of prayer. He was just that kind of guy, wonderful. So he took my place out in a country church somewhere smaller. They put me in the bigger venue. And I can tell you the circles that I came from, most of the guys, if that happened to them, they would not be happy. So I went in the auditorium and the lobby to take my place on Sunday morning, and I saw out of my peripheral, I saw Gerhard over to the left, walks in, suit and tie, briefcase. And I thought, I'm in trouble. <laughs> to the contrary, and I'm giving you Uh, This illustration as an illustration of submission. I saw him coming toward me. Briefcase in hand. Walking briskly. He got just to me. He dropped his briefcase. And he said, oh, my brother. Put his arms out like this. You are the man of the hour. Pick me up and, and pick me off the ground. I wept. That's submission. He didn't love preeminence. How many of you know. That when John wrote about. Diotrephes. And Demetrius. Diotrephes loved preeminence. And Demetrius was a servant. And I can tell you. Most churches who go down. Go down. Because there's a Diotrephes. That loves preeminence. I was preaching in northern Michigan, and it was a, it was a very small church, guys. It's almost like a, just a tiny little place, and it had dwindled down to almost nothing because the man who lived in the blue house up on the hill right there thought he owned the church, and so therefore nobody could do anything without his approval, and Jesus was nowhere to be found. And the sweet pastor that came there to work with that church, he had to work with that until that man was removed. Let's not have any diatrophies. You know what I mean? Okay, number four. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because it affects my relationship with my mate. And so we start in verse, we're just going to read a couple, this is a long passage, but like in verse 22, of course, we have wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband's the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Go ahead and jump up to 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. That he might present her to himself a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy and without blemish. Verse 32. This is a great mystery. It's a great mystery. But I speak concerning Christ and the church. Do you know the number one reason for your marriage? Do you know the number one reason for your marriage? Do you know? I see some heads nodding. Okay, here's the answer. The number one reason for your marriage is so that your marriage will preach the gospel. Right? The way Teresa respects me and the way I love her, watching us in our communication and our behavior with each other should be able to give you a visual somehow of of the gospel in how... Christ loves the church, and the church respects and submits to Christ. It's There's a purpose, the number one reason for a marriage. And, you know, I know I've been married twice, no kidding. Oh, my word, I got married the first time in 1967. I was, like, so ignorant about all of that stuff. And, oh, my word. You're getting a little too many amens right there, but I'm just saying. <laughs> So here's this guy, here's this guy who is in the dorm and I'm in college and I'm gonna get married in summertime to a lady named Diane and he says, Hey Humberkaus, yes. He said, I hear you're gonna marry the Peel girl. I said, Yes. He said, You read any books on marriage? Hmm. I said, No, I think I need I I know everything I need to know about a woman. That is so stupid. (laughs) You know, it only took me about four hours of marriage to realize that I need to learn something about a woman. Yeah. Whoa, thank you. Who said that? Oh. But, uh, you know, I need, uh, seriously, I need... To be filled and enabled by the Holy Spirit to love this lady like Christ loved the church. I do treasure her and I love her. But I continue to learn. And she has to surely be enabled by the Holy Spirit to be able to respect me. You see what I mean? Marriage is supernatural. It does a supernatural thing. And perhaps God's going to give us babies, and we need that too, to be able to take care of those babies and all the decisions we make in marriage. And so a fourth reason is because it affects my relationship with my mate. And I, I did put in your notes. You can probably read it later. But, well, you know, I've been to a lot of seminars on marriage, and I had one friend named Roy Hessian, and Roy said when he was talking to, like, Bill McLeod, he, he. They went to one of these marriage seminars and came out. And so Bill asked Roy, you know, what'd you think about the seminar? And he said, well, he said it was really good. He said it gave a lot of good advice, but not a lot of good news. There's got to be something supernatural about the good news of the gospel filling me up so that I can love this lady like Christ loved the church. Number five. I should be filled with the Holy Spirit because it because it affects my relationship with my children and we're in chapter 6 now. Children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you that it may that we you may live long on the earth and you fathers Joe do not provoke your children to wrath but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. How many know that training children is Requires a supernatural power to see their hearts changed. Right? So, this is not just, I'm going to jerk that kid around, give him a good whooping or whatever it takes. Well, I'll tell you, he, you, listen to his old man. That's still stupid. If you knew how I grew up, these little ones right here, they need a supernatural, a person who's filled with a supernatural Christ to communicate a supernatural message so that they can have a supernatural transformation themselves and I can't do it I just can't do it and you know I think many of you would say with me I lament I weep I find myself weeping in private when I see the destruction of the family today and what's going from the agenda of the culture right now and seeking to do everything they can to destroy the family it hurts me deeply i uh, I'm a, a person who grew up with a goodly heritage. I had a God-fearing family. And um, just a lot of kids don't have that. And so as a dad, I became a servant parent on duty for the king. I put that in there, and I dated the girls. We had three girls, Johanna and Julie and Jill, and I dated them. And I really wanted to uh, relate to them in a joyful way. And communicate with them so that their love and respect for me would outshine even whatever some little boy might come along and capture their attention. And so sometimes I like, perhaps like some of you, like J.D. and others that are pastors, we have so many duties with regard to the church folks that sometimes I, I just had to choose to shut down my schedule and spend time with the kids. I remember one time when Jason, my son, did something that was just really, really wrong. And it just hurt me. And I found out about it at the end of a Sunday morning service. And I was just so taken back. I just was broken. And I made my way. Our church parsonage was just about 160 steps from the church. I made my way home. I went back to the back room. I sat there just kind of in the evening hours. And I was just so grieved and shocked that I found out my Jason was doing it. And so um, I waited for him to come in, and he came in. I said, Jay, come back here. And I was sitting in the chair. He's sitting on the bed. It was our bedroom. I said, is this true, pal? Yes. I said, I have no idea what to say to you. Could you please go to your room until I get a word from God? So he went to his room, and he sat there. He's a wonderful man today. But I was sitting there in a chair just thinking, I was doing anger and vengeance and failure. And the Lord just gave me a word. He simply said, what would you do if it was somebody else's son? Well, what happened there, guys, is that it's like I got more objectivity. Oh, yeah, you're not the only person on earth here. So I went into his room and closed the door, and I walked back and forth. I was kind of pacing. And God gave me this. I know he did, guys. I said, Jay, it, you've broken my heart here with what you're doing. And f- by knowing what you're doing, it's listen, this is what I said. It's plain to me that you're not happy with just Jesus. What can I do to help you become happy in Jesus? And you know, I went from from the, in that statement, I went from just being a self-centered dad to being a servant dad. What can I help you do, son, to be happy with Jesus? And then he kind of went off. He came alive and went off. And Dad, oh, you say this kind of music and that and friends and blah, blah, blah. And he made a whole list of things that he was struggling with. And then he said to me, really, the thing that opened the window, he said, and furthermore, he said, you say we're supposed to be able to read our Bibles and just get a lot out of it. He said, "I, I can't even pronounce the big dumb words. Gotcha. So I said to Sim, I said, okay. I said, every morning when you get up, as much as I can, we will open the Bible and take it verse by verse, and we will I will help you understand it, and I will teach you what every big, dumb word means. And you know that bonded us? Yesterday at the retreat, I was waiting, and some of the guys came in. We talked in the afternoon before they came in. Jay called me. He lives in Tipton, Indiana. Jay called. He said, hey, Dad. Uh, Sam's playing down here in Brownsburg. How about coming over to the ball game, you know? And I said, hey, I'm I'm preaching at this uh, men's retreat and so forth. But he and I are like best friends. He's walking with God. He's got six wonderful kids. Praise the Lord. But listen. We as parents, we have to become servant parents on duty for the king to raise these beautiful kids that God gives us. Number six. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because it affects my witness in the marketplace. Most of us work in the marketplace. We're in factories or we're in businesses or something, and we're out there with the world every day. In one form or fashion, we're in hospitals or we're teaching in schools. I met many of the guys uh, at the retreat were in that situation. And so verse 5 tells us about that. Bondservants, servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. Okay. With fear and trembling. How? In sincerity of heart as to Christ. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. With goodwill, doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. And masters do the same things to them, giving up, threatening, knowing that your master also is in heaven and there's no partiality with him. The marketplace is a big deal. I like to be in the marketplace. I've had a lot of different jobs. Seriously, from the time I left home, worked my way through college and seminary, had a lot of different jobs in Minnesota and Tennessee and Georgia, all over the country in factories of one kind or another. And having been, become a Christian before all that happened, it was just an opportunity for me to be in the break room with lost people. And, uh, and I wanted my boss to know that the way I worked represented Jesus And I could tell you lots of cool stories about that. But at any rate, I'll just leave it at that. You understand that as I was talked about, uh, like servant parents on duty for the king. So we need to be servant workers on duty for the king. And I I just made a list here real quick. You don't have to write them down. But I thought of the heroes of the faith that we know and love and are excited about. That actually made their reputation in the marketplace like Abraham. He's a very wealthy man. And Moses. Moses. You know, in Egypt, Joseph in Egypt, Daniel in Babylon, Ezra, Nehemiah. These guys were heroes of the faith, and they made a reputation in the marketplace. I think the marketplace is important. One of my favorite uh, radio shows is Janet and Craig Parshall on uh, in the market. I don't know if you guys get that or listen to it, but I just love them. They they keep me fired up about. Being a voice in the marketplace, and so I'll just leave that subject at that particular point. You read more about it, but that's that's another reason why we need to be enabled by the Holy Spirit because the marketplace is not always friendly. Uh, I don't know if you guys have ever heard the uh, story of Rosaria Butterfield, but I have learned to love her, and she um, you know she was uh, at the University of Syracuse and a pastor so related to her. and And then into the marketplace that Rosaria came to know Jesus as Savior. Now she's a dynamic speaker. I've been able to be with her, and she's delightful. Number seven, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because of the aggressive nature of Satan. This is a big deal. And uh, you could say an awful lot about this, but I I won't. Uh, Verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. (laughs) I want to tell you this. I just got to tell you this. When I we had our first church, I went to seminary in the south in Tennessee. Then our first church was in Georgia, Somerville, Georgia, and a lot of preachers there, they never went to school or anything, but they were on the radio all over the place. And so you turn on your radio, and you're listening to all these southern preachers, and I I love to tell this story because I heard one preaching, and he got to the word Wiles, he said, we need to stand against the willies of the devil. <laughs> willies of the devil. Well, and believe me, the devil can give you willies. But you get, you get the impression that this devil is a madman, and he just throwing darts, random, random. No. He's energized. He's organized. And the two things that your parents always told you not to talk about when you go to the neighbor's, Now, we're going to go there, but don't you dare talk about religion and politics. Guess where he works in religion and politics. And I, I promise you, as joyful a place as this is, as effective a place as Harvest is that I've experienced, he's organized. He's got a plan to take you down. And so there's only one way that I can handle him. And that's with the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's The only way that you guys are going to be able to continue to be a healthy, productive, fruit-bearing, lasting fruit-bearing church is to be enabled by the Holy Spirit. And I don't care if you're teaching in the nursery or first and second grade or whether you're running a youth group or whether you're Mike up here leading worship or you're pastor preaching sermons or if you're working in the, on the couch potato ministry, whatever that might be the only way that we're going to be able to stand against the aggressive, energized, organized devil is by the power of the Holy Spirit. I was in a very dangerous place a few months ago. I can't go into detail. I just can't. But I was in a very dangerous place, and I knew that there were lots and lots of wrong spirits. I'm just going to keep it general. And so when I was on that mission... I had to be very, very careful every day, listen, to make sure that I was under the authority and the protection of my Jesus. <laughs> because, you know, we think we're going to go out there and just whip the devil, just give him a good bust in the face. You can't handle him in your own strength. And so we have to make sure that we're always operating under the authority and the, of Christ and the filling of his spirit. let me tell you something fun about Jesus. You want to hear this? Jesus never initiated anything without the permission of his father. He said, I listen for the father's words and that's what I speak. I watch the father work and that's what I work. I get instructions about the father's will and that's what I do. And that's the way we have to live. Teresa and I have things we pray about. And so they're difficult things, but we have to ask ourselves, what are, what is God giving us permission to do? And sometimes he says, do this, and sometimes he says, hold back. So, I'm saying number seven, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because of the aggressive nature of Satan. Number eight, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit because of the strategic nature of God's ministry network. The word that goes there is network. And I love down here in uh, verse 18 where Paul says, Praying always with all prayer, supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. and, And for me, pray for me. Pray for me that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, I find that one of the growing areas of my life is my prayer life. There's just tons and tons of ministry to join with and network with and pray with or give to or partner with or something. And your sweet pastor has been given the opportunity to be put together some Lenten services, I think you're calling them, And so we've been interacting about that kind of thing. So there's going to be a sense in which Harvest is aware of other churches around, and you're aware of their work, and you're working with them. And you have to pray about that. You have to be filled with the Holy Spirit and knowing how to be involved with certain things and so forth. And so we find even in revival, as we travel in revival, and when Jesus is lifted up, uh, people who are hungry for reality and revival, they will come from all kinds of churches uh, in order to find reality in Jesus. And so that's another reason guys. That corporately and individually. You need to say. Okay I need to be in proper relationship. As I network with others. In ministry. So let's wrap this up. Um, so I, a little paragraph. Right down there at the bottom. I would say number one. And I love how Holy Spirit. You're welcome in this place. Mike you use that song. Welcome his presence. Always and forever. I, this, these prayer, prayers for the Holy Spirit for me to be filled. And by the way, I might say it's the most common constant prayer in my life. And you know, Whether you leave in the morning, Lord, enable me by your Holy Spirit. I, I love to spontaneously meet people. And maybe I go to the gym or whether I'm in the marketplace or whether I go to our church. I love our church, First Baptist Covington. It's like home base for me. And I go in there, and we have a Christian school, and so you're interacting with all these people all the time. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Enthrone Christ by choice. Walk in obedience to his instruction God's word, and believe that it's true. You know, you might say, I'm just going to pray this prayer. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, blah, blah, blah. I don't know if it's going to happen or whatever. No. No, believe it. The life that I now live, I live by faith. In the Son of God who loves me and gave his life for me. And he lives in me. He gave me the Holy Spirit. This is real. This whole idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit is more real than the chair you're sitting in. It's awesome. So pray it. Believe it. Look forward as we're coming over here today. Lord, and I pray in this morning. Lord, I'm going to speak at harvest. Lord willing, if you get me there. I sure can't do it. Please enable me. As I stand before those folks that I've never seen before to represent you and be accurate with your word. Three questions. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Maybe there's somebody in here that's not saved. You don't have the Holy Spirit. And we need to be regenerated by the Holy Spirit before we can be enabled, right? So do you have the Holy Spirit? You say, "Joe, I don't know, man. That's kind of invisible stuff." Well, I told the guys yesterday, I sat down and I said, "Lord, do I have the Holy Spirit?" And I started writing reasons why I know I have the Holy Spirit, and I wrote 52 reasons. And I don't think we have that at the back table, but I you I'm in fact I'll leave this with pastor so he can copy it. How's that work? Okay? So do you have the Holy Spirit? Number 2. Do you cherish him? Do you cherish him? I love you, Holy Spirit. And mean it? I cherish her. I tell her all the time. I cherish you. I do cherish the Holy Spirit. As I stand before you, he knows I do. Number three, do you pray and believe him to enable you? Some of you are going from here to a family gathering where there's grouchy people. How are you going to respond? Some of you have people in your lives that are extremely liberal. I have people in my life that are atheists. Tuesday I'm going to meet with a Christian leader. Used to be a Christian leader that has now turned atheist. He was my friend. He is my friend. What am I going to say to him? I I need the enabling of the Holy Spirit on Tuesday at lunch when I talk to this Christian friend that's now turned atheist. Do you pray and believe him for your enablement? There's a delightful, I close, you don't even have to turn. There's a delightful promise in Ephesians 3.20 and 21. Let me quote it for you. This is awesome. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think according to the power that works in us. That's for you. And I want to just every day in my daily walk be enabled by the Holy Spirit and watch Him do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. And you know what, guys? Sometimes it takes time. And we have to wait. Then we see it come. Let's pray. Lord, you know, i have loved to share, share this with Harvest. <coughs> I thank you. And I want to pray for two groups. Number one, I want to pray for those groups who have never been saved. They do not have the Holy Spirit. That this would be a day when they would be born again by the Holy Spirit. Then I want to pray for those who might be just trying to do it all in their own strength. And maybe they're filled with resentment or exhaustion or something. And so I pray that you would in by your grace enable them to learn and be excited about daily provision from the Holy Spirit to live day by day. And actually asking you to fill them and enable them by the Holy Spirit. Give us a whole new perspective of who lives this Christian life through us. In Jesus' name, amen.